Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. But uh, I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to believe God. How many here are ready to receive? How many having a, your, your week's okay? You're going to be all right? Did you work all day? Are you tired? I know some of you are retired, so there's no way you're tired. <laughs> But the rest of the working people, you know, I'm looking at you. <laughs> That's why we have coffee on Wednesday nights, you know, help you a little bit. <laughs> but uh, um, let's pray and we'll get into this. Father God, we just thank you for your word. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, you exalted your word even above your own name as the scripture says. Lord, your word is so precious to us. We honor it. We respect it. Um, we, we, we don't take these things lightly. These are not just little teachings from human perspective, but this is your truth and your understanding from you, from your, from your heart and mind to us. And so we receive these words as your words. Lord, your word is health and medicine to all our flesh. It does give us understanding. I thank you, Father, that it transforms the way we think. It, our minds are being renewed by this word. Holy Spirit, I ask you to give me utterance as I speak uh, along these lines of what you've asked me to, what you've impressed upon my heart. And Lord, we just believe you for ears that hear and eyes that see and hearts that understand that grace, uh, your great grace will continue to transform our thinking. And as our knowledge increases, we'll be able to walk in greater levels of your grace by the faith that is imparted from your word. So we thank you for this. We receive it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. All right, James chapter 4, as one commentary put it, is a sudden change from the picture found in chapter 3 of the beauty of wisdom that comes from above. This chapter begins with the other side of the coin, showing the life governed by the flesh and its effect on those around. The saints at Jerusalem we're being governed by a spirit of worldliness. How many know the church can be governed by that? How many know that there's, there's churches today that have completely embraced carnality as if it's okay and demonic things? There are churches today, at least they have titles that they're a church, um, that are, you know, having transgenders speak um, and share about how, you know, we're all the same. You know, there's no new lie. Did you know that? There's not any new lie. So um, people think that they've discovered some new grace thing or whatever. It's not new. There, there's no new. It's the same lie. It's spun different. It comes through better technology than it did before. Um, but it's still the same lie. <laughs> That's the difference, you know. And the truth is still the truth, right? It won't ever change. It's still going to be the truth. It'll still be solid. It'll still be firm. And, uh, and that's what we need to understand. But the, the, the church at Jerusalem during this time, uh, they were being governed uh, by a spirit of worldliness, which is basically carnality. They were brethren, because James addresses them as that. So that means they were born again, but they were not acting or they were acting not, uh, not any differently than the world in their everyday lives. And so they were saved, but they were living like the world. And so we're going to get into this more and more, but you'll understand this. 
How many realize, have realized that Christians can sin? Okay. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, so listen closely. Listen closely. Christians can sin, but it doesn't mean they become unrighteous when they do. No more than a sinner doing a righteous act makes them righteous. Does that help you? Okay. So you got to think this way because when you were saved, you weren't, you weren't saved by works. You were saved by grace through faith. You know, people say, well, I gave my heart to Jesus, but I just can't live this life. Duh. It's supernatural. You got to have God's power. If you don't have God, now people say, well, I was born again. Yeah, but you were maybe never trained how to live from God's power within you. God doesn't have a shortage of power. Many times we have a shortage of knowledge. That's usually the case, okay? So we're going to go heavy on, on, on understanding some of these things, but, but uh, I believe that it will help you. It will set you free as you understand it. So they were not showing the life of the Holy Spirit to a world who needed it. In other words, they weren't living from the inside out. They were living, they had the outside affecting how they were thinking and how they were acting. They were yielding their soul or their mind and their natural being, their, their body, their physical body. Everybody in here has a physical body, right? You know, if you wake up in the morning and let it do what it wants and say what it wants, you're going to look just like the world. You'll complain like them. You'll whine like them. You'll complain about the president like them. Or not, you know, who knows, <laughs> depending on people's. You'll, you'll, you'll function just like they do. I just don't know how we're going to make it with these gas prices. I just don't know how. I just don't know how. Is the Holy Ghost saying, oh, my goodness, Lord, look at the gas prices. <laughs> Jesus, what are we going to do? I don't know. We didn't budget for this. We just didn't budget for it. <laughs> we didn't know it was coming. We just didn't know. No. The Holy Ghost is saying what Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all, 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 all these things will be. Did God know about fossil fuels before we did? All right. <laughs> God saw their wor worldliness as adultery, which made them double-minded. Okay, James chapter four, verse number one. Ready? You ready to know where wars and fights come from? <laughs> James chapter 4, verse number 1 says, Where do wars and fights come from among who? Among you, the church. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your, in your members, which is your what? It's your flesh. Where do, as a Christian... Where do wrong desires arise in you? They arise from your flesh. As a, as a believer, as a born-again believer, my spirit has no sin in it. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Some of you still looking at me cross-eyed. So you received a seed of sin. When you were born again. 
So which you received a partial Holy Ghost. <laughs> no, you received the Holy Spirit. You were born again in your spirit, correct? So who came to live in you? Whose nature was birthed inside your spirit? The very nature of God. 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says what? You were born of God. Does God have sin in him? No. Well, why then? Why do I have these problems? Right there. As a believer, okay, sorry, right there. <laughs> I see it there. You see it here, okay? <laughs> As a believer, my problems come from my flesh and from an unrenewed mind. God is not giving me problems. He did not birth problems into my spirit. He birthed righteousness, holiness. He birthed love, joy, peace, patience. I'm just not patient. I'm just not patient. You're minding the carnality of your part of portion of you and not the spirit portion of you. You need to dominate the carnal part with the spirit part. Amen. But you won't know to do that if you don't know that you have authority over it. You'll just think, oh, I'm just subject to this, you know, this body that I'm stuck in that whines every time I get up in the morning. <clears throat> Unless you're really young, then, but that's a different kind of whine. It's not because... You know, Paul said the whole creation groans. That's why when you get up in the morning, you go, oh. It's not a bad confession. The leading cause of death for your physical body, leading, leading cause of death among all people is birth. Some of you will get that later. All right. So where do the wars, what's the, where's my problems coming from? My flesh. And the more I yield to the, to the fight in my flesh, the more fights I'll have in my daily walk. What part of you desires to do something that you know in your heart is sin? Your flesh. People say, well, I yielded to it. Well, go ask for forgiveness and repent. Well, I think I need to get saved again. No, you just need a bath, you bugger. All right. I better move on. All right, so verse 2, you lust and do not have. You murder and covenant and cannot. How dare he say this to church people? <laughs> you fight and war, and this is a lot of churches. I mean, God is working on eliminating fighting in the church. It's got to stop. Well, they didn't treat me right. That's exactly what the scripture says. It says to forgive your brother just like Christ forgave you. What if Christ treated us the way we treat our brothers and sisters? Good preaching. Thanks, Mark. I heard you. <laughs> you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. But the Bible says that whatsoever things I desire when I pray. But, but what's your motivation? Now watch this, verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses. James was a good pastor. No wonder they killed him. 
Now, it was the religious people that did it, but I mean, he just got after it. You know, honestly, if you're a preacher and everybody likes you, I question your skills. Because if you're not making somebody mad, I'm not saying you should try to, but if you're speaking truth, the government will censor you. <laughs> right? <laughs> or at least the current situation. Do you not know that friendship with the world is what? Enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in where? In where? So it must be they're Christians. They can't, they can't be heathens. They can't be lost. Otherwise, the spirit wouldn't be in them. It yearns earn, or jealously. Well, that doesn't, our, our concept of jealousy is usually pretty negative, but actually one of God's names is jealous. Did you know that? In other words, what does that mean? He, it's not a perverted thing. He desires you because he made you and he knows what's best for you. So the spirit within you is going, come on, we need to live in Christ's likeness. And your flesh is going, no, I don't want to do that. And if your head is not renewed to the reality of who you are in Christ, and it's, re it's, it's, it's unrenewed to the world or to your flesh, you're going to be more carnal. Do you know most Christians that are first saved, they look just like the world, only they won't shut up about Jesus. They'll talk about Jesus and use F words. And holy sanctified mm, Christians who've been saved forever and are basically like petrified wood because they lost the joy of the Lord. But, but they get all offended that the person used the language they did. But you got to understand, they just came out of what you've been out of for 20 years. And just because that you're not cussing doesn't mean you're not gossiping. Come on, preach. We're going to have to start the car. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells, dwell, who dwells in us yearns jealously, verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, what? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, he will flee from you. Will the devil flee from you? Yes, if you humble yourself and submit to God. Well, I just don't know how to get rid of this problem in my life. Submit to God, resist the devil. How do you submit to God? You obey his word. That's how you do it. Okay? Verse 8, draw near, and that actually has to do with worship. We'll see this. To God, and he will draw near to you. So you can actually be closer to God at times depending on what I do. It's not that God moved. It's that I moved. Why would he have to tell Christians to draw near to God? Because they've drawn away. 
And this is mostly in, in not, I don't want to make this sound like this is a perception thing, like, you know, it's more real if you just perceive it, you know what I mean? It's real as real can be, but it's in our thinking, how we see our relationship with the Lord. Amen? But if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you. Well, that's not very nice, James. James must not have read Paul's letters. He probably hadn't actually read Paul's letters. Did James think that we had a dual nature? Oh, I, I've got you pinned. People are like, I'm not answering this. I am not going to answer. I, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. I'd just look straight ahead and go, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Keep preaching. <laughs> Purify your hearts, you. <laughs> well, you read that. You read the, you, you went backwards on me there. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Can, can Christians sin? Yes. I don't believe James is calling them sinners. I'm, he's saying, stop living like sinners. You're double-minded here. People go, well, I don't know why this isn't working. You told me, faith preacher told me, the faith preacher, you said, James, that if I would pray and ask in the name of Jesus that it would come to pass, and it's not coming to pass, you sound like a faith person. <laughs> and that's what James was dealing with. He's saying, you don't sound like a faith person. You're operating in a resurrect, you're trying to operate in a resurrection reality from a carnal motivation, and it will never work. That's what he's saying. So what is the heart check here? Purify your hearts. You've got to get the motivations of the flesh. When you think heart, think soul. You've got to get the motivations of your flesh out of your soul and not let them motivate you and allow the spirit of the resurrection within you through the transformation of your thinking by the word of God to motivate you. Let the Holy Spirit within you lead you. He will lead you into what? He will lead you into single-mindedness. And single-mindedness is spiritual. You know, James made this statement more than once about being double-minded. It's in the first chapter, too. How do I get singleness of mind through the Word of God and through living from the Holy Spirit or your, the Spirit of God within you out and controlling your flesh? Now, we talked about sanctification. We preached on it before. If you, do, if you weren't here, didn't listen to the message, go back to the, to the website, look up sanctification and find it. It's there. We are commanded to enslave our flesh to righteousness. If I have to enslave my flesh to righteousness, that means its natural bent is not righteousness. The scripture says that we are to deal with the body of sin. Where does the desire for evil things come from? The nature of the flesh.
Can't Christianity be easier? Well, it depends. Do you want freedom? Or do you want easier? I choose freedom. I'm telling you, I was telling Josh today, we were talking about it. This, on the unpardonable sin thing, this, this 1 John chapter 1 has been kicking my rear end. Because I'm fighting with it. I'm going, where is the landing zone? And then finally, after the last four weeks, three weeks, eh, maybe four weeks, I have been, I have been like, where am I landing? I got to find a landing spot here. I need a foundation. And I was telling Josh today, I said, I think I got a five by five piece of concrete I'm standing on now. And then after we talked a little bit, I was like, maybe it's seven by seven. Maybe it's seven by seven. But where am I landed? I'm firm in what I know. I know this. I am not going to wake up one morning and lose my salvation. Not that I was really worried about it because I wasn't. There are times where I thought I might go to heaven earlier than I was supposed to. But other than that, I never thought I wasn't getting in. Because I'm sure Jesus saved me. And people say, well, have you ever done anything wrong since then? I know things about me that would shock you that will not be revealed. Okay, so <laughs> the believers in James' congregation had drawn away from the Lord through carnality. Sin had overcome their lives, and they had become hypocrites. Can that happen to Christians? Yes, and they're still Christians. Well, they don't act like it. I know, you can actually be asleep among the dead as a believer. Have you ever stood next to a really asleep person? Have you ever looked at a dead person? If you put them side by side? It'd be tough to tell the difference. So there are actually a lot of Christians that are just flat asleep. That look like just like the world. People say, well, that's not possible. Yes, it is. Because you didn't get born again by works. You got born again by faith, by grace through faith. Now, it should change your works. But does it always change your works? It does not always change. And a lot of times it's because of ignorance, not because people are just flat rebellious and rejected Christ. They just don't know. We're just going to hang on till Jesus comes. That is not a war, that is not a military strategy to win in life. Well, I'm just going to hang on. Well, you know, if, like they say, if you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. <laughs> All right. Sin had overcome. They had become hypocrites. The Greek word for draw near was used of the priests in the Old Testament who were fully qualified to enter into the presence of God. This is found in Leviticus 10.3 and Leviticus 21 through and 20, chapter 21, verse 21 through 23. And in a, in a uh, sense of man's approach to God in worship. And this is in Isaiah 29.13 and Hosea 12.6. So Old Testament passages there. The thought is of entering into communion with the Lord. This is the humble person to whom God will give grace. The fact that God will draw near to a person is a type of the prodigal son after his return home. The decision to return was the son's, not the father's. 
Once the decision was made, the father gave more grace and ran to meet him with great rewards. That's the whole draw near and he will draw near. As the son drew near to the father, the father drew near to the son. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The next command for the carnal believers is to cleanse their hands. This also is a type of the Old Testament priests coming into the presence of God. They would wash their hands. They had to clean themselves before entering into the Holy of Holies. This is found in Exodus 30, verse 19 through 21, and Leviticus 16, 4. The type is carried into the New Testament describing the cleansing from the defilement of sin in 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Now, we've talked about this. We talked about it with 1 John 1, 9. James calls believers sinners in this verse, indicating the relationship of carnal believers to unbelievers. 1 Corinthians 3, 3 talks about this and Ephesians 5, 11 through 17. They are in essence sinning Christians. They are also called double-minded, making it clear that James is addressing believers. The same comparison is made in James 1.8, where the double-minded or two-souled man is unstable in all of his ways. He has, he's two-souled, two, T-W-O, okay? He has two souls. He's got dual thinking going on. What is the dual thinking? The dual thinking is resurrection and carnality. And depending on which one you yield to, you can appear spiritual or unsaved. But yes, you're right, carnal. <laughs> that was a point you need to write down. That's what that means right there. All right. <laughs> This same comparison is made in James 1.8, where the double-minded or two-souled man is unstable in all of his ways. Many in the congregation of Jerusalem thought they were spiritual when actually they were carnal and no better than unbelievers, other than they're born again. These congregational members were guilty of trying to serve two masters. Jesus said what? You'll love the one and... Or you'll hate the one and... Yeah, so pick who you're going to hate. People are like, don't say hate in church. <laughs> Jesus said hate in church. All right? So what does he say in verse 9 in James? Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. What is that? That's a sign of repentance. Repent. Don't go up to God's throne and go, oh, man, it's cool, Jesus. I sinned again. It's cool, though. It's cool, homeboy. I know, I know your blood covers it all, homeboy. Jesus is my homie. You say, why do you say it like that? Because the world will trivialize serious spiritual things. Sin is serious. And we're going to see this in a minute. In fact... You say, how do you know it's so serious? Because it took the Son of God to pay for the price. Coming boldly to the throne of grace isn't coming flippantly. It's going, God, I am sorry. That was stupid. And he's like, yeah, I know. That was stupid. But I've given you the mind of Christ. You don't have to act that way. 
I've given you the resurrection. You don't have to act like that. And here, I'm going to cleanse you because I'm faithful to my word. Even though you haven't been faithful to yours, come on, I'm still going to be faithful to mine. Thank God for that. But we shouldn't do it. We should do it humbly, humbly, reverently. Yes, you can be reverent and be bold. They, people sometimes think different, but that's because we have a worldly uh, view of what boldness is. We have, everything we see here is really messed up. Everything that you see in a day, even the perceptions you think you have about certain things, unless you get revelation from the word and see it from God's perspective, it has a skew to it because the world is covered in sin. It's fallen. So everything you see it has, a, has a, 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 a darkness to it. We don't see it fully yet. Okay? So we need to be aware of that. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Paul describes the lost in a letter to believers. This is speaking about lost people. Now, this is a, this is a chapter, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9. This is a section of scripture that people like to use to condemn believers, brothers and sisters in Christ uh, to hell with. That are having struggles. They're struggling in their life. They got problems. They got things going on. They don't know how to overcome it. They've got addictions and they've got things going in their life that are not right. They know their sin. They don't want to live in them. But they don't know how to get out. And then a good, uh, holy, righteous <laughs> believer comes along and beats them over the head and tells them they're going to hell because they have a fleshly thing in their life. That's not what James said. He didn't say they were unsaved. He said they were living what? Double-minded. Anybody without, with, with a lack of understanding can be tripped up by the devil. Okay, so we got to be careful with judgments. Now, what I mean by that is finality. Now, I can walk up. I, if I hung out with you for a day and you hung out with me for a day, you would find out where I'm carnal and I would find out where you are. Right? If we hung out for, you know, I'm not talking about what you see here. I'm talking about when you, you're talking when nobody, you think nobody else is around and it's just you and your spouse or your best friend. Or it's just you. And you're having an argument with somebody that made you mad. And you're winning because they're not there. But you in the flesh, and it's sin. But you have not lost your salvation. Now, you lost your saved mind. <laughs> Probably need to straighten that out. But your spirit is still right, and God will still speak to you in the middle of that if you'll reach out to him and show you what to do, and you'll go from double-minded to single-minded. Amen? So, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says this, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Who won't inherit it? What are the unrighteous? They're unsaved. Who are the righteous? They're saved. Are they righteous because they do everything right? Because they received Jesus. So, how many have received Jesus in here? So this isn't talking to you. 
Now, it's talking to you in the sense of you need to understand this so you can help others. But he, I'm not about to go through a list of people because at the end of this list, he said, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so people think, yeah, that's right. We're going to get into homosexuals. Homosexuals, they're not inheriting the, the kingdom of God. Don't worry. I got your number, religious one. I got you good. The scripture actually says they, anything that's not of faith is sin. So faith people, how many times have you responded in a non-faith way to something you knew you could have faith for? Do you see, you say, what are you doing? I'm trying to kill the works mentality of earning your salvation. And I'm laying it on heavy, heavy. But more people have come each week, so it must need to be spoken. Because people want to know they're saved. They don't want to live under condemnation. I'm for living in conviction. I am not for living under condemnation at all. It's terrible. Terrible. Can't feel like you can get out. So, um, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. So, remember the context in which this was written. Paul had been stressing that Christians should not go before the ungodly in court to resolve their differences. They should, have un they should have believers arbitrate their differences. If that couldn't be done, it would be better just to suffer the wrong than to present a bad witness to unbelievers, to the unbelievers. But you know what carnal Christians do? They make sure the person that treated them wrong is paid back. When the Bible says that you're just supposed to suffer the loss because that's a good witness. That just resonates with your flesh, doesn't it? So, yeah, you pull a gun on me, I'm going to pull two on you. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christians. I was in a church when I was a youth pastor. There, there were business owners that did deals in the church and one went awry. They were going to have a fist fight in the lobby after church. Christians. There was no, oh, brother, I just forgive you. Let it go. It was, I'm going to take you down. You're going to prison. Da, 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 da. That happens in church? Yep. Not in this church. Unless you want a swift kick in the pants. <laughs> All right. I learned that from my grandpa. All right, so... Here Paul was reminding them, uh, them who these pagan judges were, whom they were airing their differences in front of. Have you ever done that? Talk to your coworker who's not saved about your trouble with your spouse. Hello! What kind of advice are you going to get? Hello! People do this. Well, I went and got counsel. From who? Your unsaved coworker. Oh, did revelation from heaven flow? <laughs> now, I'm not trying to just be insensitive. I want you to see this. Why would you do that? Are you wanting to resolve the issue or get somebody on your side? What I've found mostly is people just want to get somebody on their side. They want to prove that they're right and defame or demoralize and just destroy the other person. 
And you're saying, Sean, have you ever done that? Yes. Now, not specifically with my wife. I better make that clear. <laughs> of course, when I go to work, she's there too because we ride together. So I'm like, have you, have you, you know what Heidi did to me? And she's like, I am Heidi. It's like, a good point. Yeah, we better move on. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> he was describing their sinful natures in an effort to show the Christians the superiority of going before the believers to settle their disputes. None of these unbelievers were going to judge the world and angels. You got to remember, this is all in context here. As he had said, the saints were going to do. Do you know we're going to judge the world and angels? You're going to judge an angel. People say, oh, no, I want to be as pure as an angel. You're more pure than an angel in the spirit. You have Jesus in you. Jesus is the Lord of hosts. Who's the host he's Lord over? Those angels are just, they're there. They're servants. They're not like us. The angels look at us and go, what is man that you are mindful of him? That's a recording in the scriptures of what the angels said about us. Now, they're more powerful than we are in a sense. You understand what I'm saying right now? But we're going to judge angels. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. I'm like, so which angels do I get to judge, Jesus? Just point me in the direction. You know, it's walking ranks, right? They all line up and we'll inspect them. Mm. Mm. Shoes are polished, good. I'm excited about it. All right, so... And they were going to inferior judges, right? So we just read that what won't inherit the kingdom of God. It says fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, or sodomites. Verse 10, nor thieves, nor covetous, covetous nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So let's look at what these are. People love the first ones. But I'm going to... I'm going to break it down for you all the way down to the thieves. Because people will steal stuff all the time. They'll steal pens from work that are work pens. They will. Now, our pens here are for you to take. Talking to our staff. You're okay. We're not. All right. People are like, oh, no, I'm going to bring them back. <laughs> A fornicator, this word is the word in Greek, it's pornos, P-O-R-N-O-S. What does that sound like? Pornography. It's where we get our word pornography. This is, this is specifically a male prostitute who prostitutes his body to another's lust for hire. It's a, what the Bible calls a whoremonger. Do you know what a whore is? Okay, a whoremonger is someone who attends the whore. <gasps> Don't say those words. And yet you watch Instagram reels that have words on it. And I say that word and people go, oh, God's the one that put it in the book. All right. It's not a derogatory thing. It's a fact. And until they get righteous, they still are that. Is Whoremongering, the unpardonable sin. No. Well, I think it should be. Well, that's why you're not God. Thank God. Because some of us would be dead multiple times over. People say, oh, no, I was <laughs> sanctified from the womb. 
Well, there's a few of you out there. Thank God you had the priest there to christen and confirm you at birth. But the rest of us, <laughs> not so much. It has to do with illicit sexual intercourse. Idolaters, this is image worship. Image worship. You know, people think, well, I don't have any idols in my house except you. We live in a generation of self-ease and iPhones. And look at my car and look at my, and they worship stuff all the time. See, we like to say these are the ones that aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God in a real religious sense. But wait till I get to some of these other ones and we're ending here. So I guess I got like six more weeks on this subject. <laughs> Adulterers. One who has unlawful intercourse with, a, with the spouse of another. That can be done in thinking. That can be done in thinking. Before we get religiously righteous, we should really consider myself. What do you think pornography is? It's adultery. It's fornication. That's what it is. It's entertaining in your heart a intimate act that was designed for, uh, the, the, the naked image was designed for the spouse, the husband and wife only. That's the image that should be burned into your mind as a married couple, right? Or if you're single, you're supposed to wait to burn the image of your spouse into your mind. The naked image. I know this isn't youth group. We're adults. We should be able to handle this, right? Like how many people have kids in here? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. That or something went awry or <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> God designed it that way. Jesus told the religious leaders of his day and people, if you look lustfully on a woman, he was telling the men, and you lust after her in your, you've committed bingo. Well, how am I going to stop that? Renew your mind, you righteous thing, you, and stop being double-minded. Clean it up. Well, I don't know if it can be done. Listen, I am living proof it can be done. I was severely addicted to pornography. I don't even think about it. It's not even a, it doesn't even, I, my mind, it's like open fields, freedom. Why? The resurrection. It didn't happen overnight. If I didn't understand my salvation and I read this verse, I'd have thought I was going to hell like every other day when I was first saved. Maybe that's too plain, but that's just how it happened for me, and that's how Jesus set me free. And I don't know anybody. I know people that don't want to talk about things like this, but I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be free that's truly born again from those things. In our culture today, it's men and women. It's amazing what the enemy has been able to do in the sense of like, whoa, he really has perverted these things. 
And he uses every avenue to reach people. That's why I believe the church should use every avenue to reach people. Because there's a lot of people that are addicted to things and they don't want to live in it. They hate it. They hate themselves. And they think there's no hope for them. And it's a lie. Jesus will, he'll go to hell for you and bring you up. And he is not condemning you. Now, he's trying to convince you to go a different direction because he knows who it hurts, you. Amen. Homosexuals, this word means effeminate or soft. A lot of times people think it just means like a homosexual couple. But it actually in the Greek means effeminate or soft. It means uh, soft to the touch. This is the Greek. This word does not just have reference to males who practice lewdness, but to people in general who are guilty of sins of the flesh. This could be homosexuality, and it could be transgenderism. Sins of the flesh. What is a sin of the... Why do people feel confused in their gender? Because they're listening to the wrong voice. Well, they just shouldn't do it. Well, I agree, but that is not how Jesus won people. He didn't walk up to him and go, now just stop it. Just quit it. He said, come here, receive me. Now we can teach you how to live in victory above that. You know, it's tough to gut a fish before you catch it. All right. Sodomites. This word means abusers of themselves with mankind. It means one who lies as a male with a female. The idea is what? Sodom and Gomorrah, which is what? Homosexuality. Is this the unpardonable sin? No. People say, well, I read a book, and there's a place in hell for all homosexuals. I don't care what book you read, and I don't even care what vision they think they had. What does the Bible say? This is not the unpardonable sin. And I'm going to prove it to you at the end of this. People still are sitting. I can feel people like, well, are you sure, preacher? Do you think I'd go this hard if I wasn't sure? <laughs> That'd be foolish, wouldn't it? That'd be like doing a drag race not knowing where the brake was. <laughs> you're going 190 miles an hour down the run, and you're like, oh, I forgot to ask him how to stop this thing. <laughs> yeah I'd prefer to use the parachute and the brakes I, <laughs> thieves I love this one thieves is the next one the word in the Greek is kleptus kleptomaniac is exactly where we get that word means a stealer the word means a cheat it means to appropriate what is not yours how many places do Christians cheat taxes Mike is smiling big at me right now. He's like, <laughs> we've talked about some of these things. Sports. Well, you know, if you're not cheating, you just don't care. Actually, you're sinning if you're a Christian and you're cheating. Board games. <laughs> I was playing cards, but you know. <laughs> Well, 
for those of you that cheat at board games, you're still in the same category as the homosexuals. Oh, yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's in the same list. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm not even remotely sorry. I don't even feel bad about it. I actually have joy inside of me. <laughs> Business deals. Christians cheat in business deals. They lie. They, they present one thing and do another. That's stealing. Yeah, got quiet on that one. Notice this is listed with all the other egregious sins. Thieves. This name, now this is for preachers, this is for me, for any leader. The name is also transferred to false teachers, thieves, who do not care to, to instruct men, but abuse their confidence for their own. Well, I'm a preacher and you better give to me. If you really loved me, you'd honor me. You'd give me, that is me using my position of influence in your, that is, it just grates me inside. It makes me want to cry. But it happens all the time. And don't just think of your favorite prosperity preacher. Judge things. Uh, take it back to the word. What about covetous? Means desiring more or being eager for more. This is someone who is eager to have more, especially something that belongs to others. If the homosexual is going to hell, the covetous, the thief, they're going too. This takes place in every area of life from material possessions to human relationships. It's jealousy. Well, they have those friends and they're not my friends. I'm going to go try and steal those friends and then I'm going to talk about, bad about that person that thinks of their friend so they'll become my friends. You say that happens? Oh, are you kidding? I was a youth pastor. And now I'm a pastor. And I've seen it happen over and over. Well, I'm not in the in group. What is the in group? In Christ. That's the in group. Well, I want to be friends with you. If I can't just be around the pastor all the time, then I got to go to another church. Oh. So you think I'm the Messiah? Because I'm going to disappoint you real bad. Really bad. My goal is not to become famous. My goal is that you know the Lord that I know. And anybody, any minister that has any other goal, it will not last. And that can only be judged by the Spirit of God. You can't judge it by any natural thing. What about drunkards? This means to be tipsy or a sot. Do you know what a sot is? It's a habitual drunkard. Being drunk from alcohol, is that the unpardonable sin? No. What about a reveler? People like, you know, all those other ones. Yeah, those were bad, but reveler, you know, you know. It means abusive. 
it, or a black guard, B-L-A-C-K, guard, which is a person who acts in dishonorable or contempt, contemptible, a contemptible way. It is a person who rails or revels to scold in harsh, insolent, or abusive language. What about an extortioner's? This means to be a ravenous or rapacious. It means to be a swindler. It carries the idea of living on prey. Ravenous implies excessive hunger and suggests violent or grasping methods of dealing with food or with whatever satisfies an appetite. Often suggests excessive and utterly selfish acquisitiveness Another word you're quite or avarice. In other words, so what? It's people that what will do anything to get what they want at the expense of whoever is in the way. These are fun, aren't they? And guess what? Every one of these things is a nature of the flesh, and you all have flesh. Now you may not have strong homosexual desires could take pick the list in your flesh and i'm not even done i got a whole nother week next week wait till i go through galatians 5 it's longer than this list and that is the nature of believers flesh i said that's the nature of righteous people's flesh which means a righteous person could appear unrighteous And before we run around and go, that person's not going to heaven, that person's not going to heaven, that person's not going to heaven, we better take an account of our own life and relationship with the Lord and realize that even in the midst of everything that's going on, maybe in the natural, we're not quite as perfect as we thought we were. How about just bitterness? How's that ill feeling in you every time you see the person that really did you wrong? <laughs> I touched a nerve on that one. I could feel it. I know I've had it. It's, it's, that scripture stood on my nerve before too. You say, what do you do? Pray for those who get revenge on those. Pray the scripture, vengeance is the Lord's. Lord, vengeance them. Vengeance them, Lord. <laughs> Use that thing you have to. Verse 11. Verse 11. Put up uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 11. And such were, huh, but you were, you were sanctified. You were in the name because you quit doing those things. <laughs> How are you justified? In the name of the Lord Jesus and we free. People say, but I'm still doing some of those things. Learn about verse 11 and you'll stop the previous verses. All those things are forgivable. Amen. All those things are what? Forgivable. They're forgivable. And we'll stop right there because we went far enough. We can't, uh, Joy, one day after service, we were talking about um, 
couple Wednesdays ago, and I could feel people kind of choking on what, what we've been kind of working out these last few weeks. And she goes, yeah, they're trying to eat the whole loaf. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you're right. They are. In other words, you can't just go. Hum. Do you remember the Coneheads? Do you remember that old movie, The Coneheads? Some of the young people are like, what? They would go, ah, and eat a whole sub, just like the, ah. They had cone heads. Anyway, so, anyway. <laughs> they looked like they didn't have a natural childbirth. I'll just put it to you like that. They just used the vacuum to, honk. <laughs> oh. Sorry, that thought maybe shouldn't have been shared. pray. All right. Okay, we'll pick up there next Wednesday. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for teaching us and helping us. Lord, we are your righteous ones because we're born again. Lord, help us to not be double-minded. Help us to not be condemning. Help us to be lights and salt. Help us to intercede and to uh, help our brothers and sisters in Christ who are addicted to areas in the flesh that they know they shouldn't be and they're struggling. Help us, Lord, to see them the way you do and to help them, give us wisdom to help them walk free of those things. And Lord, we thank you for the endurance. Lord, your love in us stays in difficult situations. It stays in difficult things and keeps working with people. And that's what we desire for this body. And that's what we desire for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we thank you for this word. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.